everyone, and welcome to another episode of Houndcast. We hope you all are enjoying your summers and so glad that you tuned in. I'm Amanda Manza, your Director of Alumni and Parent Engagement. I'm joined by my co-host, Justin. How are you today, Justin? Hi, everyone. Good, Amanda. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We are so excited to have a very special guest with us today, Craig Atwood from the Meridian College Theological Seminary. Craig, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Craig, do you think you could just kind of introduce yourself to all of our viewers? A lot of the people tuning in probably are uh, Meridian College alum and may not know too much about the seminary portion of the school. So can you talk to us a little bit about you know, your role at Meridian? Sure. I'm uh, the professor of Moravian theology, so I have uh, published and teach on uh, how Moravians have understood uh, the world in the past and their doctrines and things. I also uh, teach the history courses here at the seminary, and about a month and a half ago I was named as the interim dean. Uh, so I'm one of the one of the deans on the school, but the seminary only has typically 90 to 100 students. Um, most of them are preparing to be pastors or chaplains or counselors. Okay, very neat. Yeah, I know we have a lot of our uh, viewers are Moravian College alum, like I said. So, you know, and even me as an alum, I knew a little bit about the seminary. I think I was in once. I think I had a class with one professor that taught on both sides of it. And I actually went into the seminary as a student, but there's probably a lot of our alums who have never even stepped foot over, you know, in the seminary building or anything. So we're excited to have a little different piece of Moravian joining us today. So thanks, Craig, we're excited. Um, you know, one of the things when we had started talking about having you on uh, the podcast here today was talking about just kind of everything that's going on in the world today and how we all have suddenly had to learn how to kind of stay connected, even though we're all in these virtual environments. You know, I haven't seen Justin in person since March and it's July now. So, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how do we stay connected with your friends, with your family and everything like that. And, and you brought up this idea that the Moravian community and talking more of the Moravian uh, religion community, not just the Moravian college community, um, but, you know, is really known as, as a connected group, a connected community that likes, you know, to, to be involved with each other, to know what's going on. Can you talk to us a little bit about how kind of these original Moravians really stayed connected, even though they couldn't physically be with each other? Oh, sure, I would like to. And uh, we need to keep in mind that they obviously didn't have the internet or what they were <laughs> able to do here with Zoom, uh, so they couldn't see each other's faces or hear their voices. But uh, around the time the Moravians founded the, uh, the schools that became the, the college and theological seminary, they were part of an international group already before they came to the, uh, to the United States. They weren't, uh, it wasn't like the Church of England or the um, Dutch Reformed Church. Uh, there were Moravians in multiple countries in Europe, and they established several communities similar to Bethlehem, which were basically Christian communes, and really emphasized getting to know one another on a personal level. So instead of like the Catholic Church, where you would confess to a priest, uh, you had an older, more mature member of the church who was a layperson 
that you would speak with every week about your problems and struggles and uh, they really knew a lot about each other. And then when they started traveling um, across the Atlantic, uh, within 20 years, there were Moravian congregations from Greenland to South Africa. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. <clears throat> and from Eastern Europe all the way here to Pennsylvania. So we're talking uh, several, several thousand square miles of distance between them. But they still really valued this sense of connection. In fact, they didn't even call their church a church most of the time. They just called it a community, or the German word was Gemeine. And one of the ways they kept in contact with each other was writing letters regularly. Uh, these were both personal letters, but also letters from the heads of organizations, you know, kind of like. Uh, Dr. Grigsby's Friday letter we've been getting all yeah. during COVID. <clears throat> and these letters would be circulated to uh, multiple congregations. And for uh, like David Zeisberger, who did the Moravian mission to the Delaware, uh, sometimes would be away from Bethlehem for six, nine, 12 months at a time. But every, but he kept writing letters and whenever he met someone who was traveling east, he would entrust the letters to them uh, to be sure they would get back. Pass them back, okay. Yeah, so, you know, he would have loved what we've got today with Zoom and the internet, but... A little bit quicker than writing letters. <laughs> a little bit. And this writing of letters became so important that one Sunday a month, and the church was dedicated to reading letters to the congregation. And so instead of your normal church service, you would gather and you would hear these letters and they're, they're filled with details about people's lives. And eventually these get collected into books that get circulated all over the world. So, you know, something that happens in South Africa would be read about here in Bethlehem. And they knew people's names. Uh, for the most important leaders in the church, like uh, Benigna von Zinzendorf, who we talk a lot about, and Count Zinzendorf, her father, they actually painted portraits of these important leaders so every congregation could see them when they're reading their letters. Huh. Uh, it's kind of like a church version of Zoom in the 18th century. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. It's almost like, it's like their Zoom, it's like, their version of Facebook too. You could read these letters and see their pictures and like know who they were. <laughs> That's pretty neat. That's really and cool. they were the only people doing this at the time. Uh, <laughs> the uh, some uh, the Methodists and some other churches picked up this practice later, but at the time, no one thought of a global community. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had local communities, you might even have some national organizations, but the Moravians and the Catholic Church in different ways were the only global network. And it's just amazing as a historian, we have all these texts. And so I can actually go back through and read uh, from the letters about, you know, who died this day, uh, what trouble we had with the local authorities, uh, how do we keep kids from running in the streets, you know, all the same stuff we deal with now. That's cool. 
that's cool. Can people, you know, like today, if someone's watching this and they're interested, do we have access to those through like the church archives or anything? Yeah, uh, not many, uh, not much of this has been digitalized yet, but right next to uh, Moravian College, we've got a church archive with uh, copies of these things. Um, incidentally, it was so important to know people individually that when a Moravian died, instead of having a sermon, would read an account of the person's life, usually written by the person themselves. And these would also be circulated. So, you know, for, for instance, when my, you know, my mother passed away 11 years ago, uh, what I, the account of her life I wrote would have been sent uh, to all the Moravian churches, and they would uh, remember people that way. Wow. So it's kind of like the early version of the obituary, too. You know, we put those in newspapers, or now it's all online, too. Wow. So they're kind of the pioneers for all of that, I feel like. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, Craig, I think that's a, you know, a really neat points that you bring up. In, in how strongly they were connected. And, and as you said, Moravians across the world you know, would send letters to each other. And I think that sense of personalization is something that uh, I think the college you know, still uh, really solidifies today in our outreach uh, with you know, our friends, our, our alumni, and, and our students that we build relationships with. So that's great to, to see that move forward here. And being that the college is the sixth oldest college in the nation, We've certainly gone through some challenging and, and catastrophic events throughout history. What are some of the other significant uh, and prominent events throughout our history where this sense of community and connectedness uh, was also evident? Yeah, one of the um, big ones from the distant past was, of course, uh, the Revolutionary War, because Moravians were an international community. The in the Atlantic Ocean. It was hard to uh, get messages back and forth. Uh, again, they tried uh, as much as they could. At one point, the Moravians even paid for their own ship uh, to cross the Atlantic because it was easier to communicate if they controlled it. And unfortunately, that ship was captured in war and taken as a prize of war and so forth. That didn't work out too well for them. <laughs> No, not, not too well. They also liked to send people as soon as they could to make a personal thing. So as soon as the war was over, Moravians from Germany and England came here okay. uh, to visit and bring word. There's a lot of exchange of information and things. A little later in history, um, once the college becomes a college, uh, you know, in the 1860s, it was during the Civil War, and there were Moravians in the South, Moravians in the North. Right. Um, very difficult situation there. Um, but as the, but the college was always relatively small up until the 1950s. And so some of the big events like World War I wasn't that traumatic for the college, although you do have veterans and people would keep in touch with their classmates and so forth and things like that. But World War II almost killed the college. <clears throat> so many students and faculty enlisted in the war. Uh, and uh, at one point, I think it got down to where there were 17 students and four faculty. 
So, uh, I, think, I didn't know that. And I think, and don't quote me on the figures, I'd have to look them <laughs> up, but it was very small. And about half of them were at the theological seminary. Uh, so there was a oh, wow. real sense this could, this would not survive the war years. Hmm. Um, and, but what the college did immediately after the wars took advantage of the GI Bill and started inviting veterans, some of whom had started as freshmen, you know, and come back after the war years later and need to enlist. And that was when the college really started to, uh, to recover and grow. It's also when the women's college and the men's college merged was in those years, as the uh, women's college really was in danger of um, selling their, those beautiful buildings to a developer. I mean, so now in all of those events, part of what we see is how Moravian alums keep in touch with each other mm -hmm. and encourage one another and report news. Uh, so I mentioned World War I. Uh, uh, actually, a Moravian uh, alum was in Europe attending the Moravian Church Senate and almost couldn't get back because of the mm -hmm. war. They were delayed for months, but they were able to do reports. Uh, one of the uh, uh, stories I, I really like from modern Moravian history is um, a young man named Bernie Michael who I'm pretty sure is an alum of the college, uh, was in the U.S. occupying force at the end of World War II. And he was stationed in a little place called Neudietendorf. Uh, I've actually been there. Um, and, um, you know, he's a soldier, and he hears music coming from the church building and sees a Moravian star hanging on it. And he recognizes Moravian music. And so he comes in and introduces himself, and they immediately welcome him as a brother. Uh, you know, this is the winter of 1945, but being welcomed by these German Moravians as a brother, singing the hymns, uh, some of that music we still use at the Christmas Vespers here in uh, Moravian College. That's great to see. Yeah, just such a, such a strong, you know, connectedness all the way back to World War II. That's, that's amazing. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that. And to build on, on that, Craig, you know, with the Moravian community being very traditional and we're experiencing an, an ever-increasing, you know, virtual presence here in the world, um, how have the dynamics of that sort of shifted the Moravian traditional way of life? Yeah, you've really put your finger on uh, why this pandemic has been so hard for Moravians. Um, we, uh, uh, just as church people, but we see it in the college as well, all Moravian institutions really value face-to-face -face conversation, you know, a hug or handshake. Moravians really like to reach out and touch people, and this has been a big part of the mission. I think one reason Moravians in general aren't great administrators is because we're always willing to drop what we're doing to talk to somebody that needs to talk to us. Um, I've, in my work, I'm also director of the Center for Moravian Studies. And in the last five years, you know, I've uh, been teaching Moravians in Tanzania, uh, South Africa, Peru, Cuba, England, all these places, and for Moravians to not be allowed to travel has been just yes. really hard. 
just really challenging everything. And so we Moravians have had to uh, embrace what we're doing here. Um, and uh, you mentioned, you know, Facebook, uh, WhatsApp. Um, you know, every time something significant happens in my life, I put it on Facebook and I get WhatsApp messages from Jamaica, from uh, Tanzania, Zambia, Suriname. Uh, and it's just a really wonderful, wonderful network that develops that way. Sure. But, but we're, uh, you know, I know pastors, uh, you know, had to go with no warning suddenly doing their church services online. Me, as a teacher, having my classes entirely online is just so different because what I love best in teaching is that energy that crackles in the room where you get students all interested in something and you see the, uh, the expression on their face or you're teaching and you realize that they are looking at you like you've got three heads and you obviously didn't explain this very well. Not connected. <laughs> over. Or that brilliant student question that asks something you've never in your life imagined and you know it's like okay we've got to change the whole class now mm -hmm. it's been it's been hard to capture that in this environment but, but we're working on it yeah i know it's certainly i think you know i know i'm missing it i'm missing being in the office i'm missing you know being around my colleagues but also just our alums you know we've as a college has taken pause on alumni events obviously so i'm not seeing a lot of the alums that i normally would see nobody's just walking into the alumni house to say hi and that's definitely a, a challenge i think we're all facing so it's kind of interesting to hear it from from that side too um so craig as we kind of wrap up here a question that justin and i like to ask all of our guests that come on our podcast is you know what do you really love about the Moravian College and Seminary community? Like what is something that kind of keeps you a part of the Moravian community that, you know, when you think of Moravian in the sense of the college and the seminary, you know, what's that one thing that, that makes you really enjoy your time here? Oh, just one thing. Believe it or not, I was actually chaplain of the college back in the 80s. Okay. Uh, so I've got two, gener two 30 year separate experiences. I came back in 2010 um, and um, I, I've got to say one of the things I absolutely love is the beauty of this campus uh, and I know this is a hard thing when we <laughs> had to send everyone home. I can't be there. <laughs> I know you know especially that time of year but there's just um, and and even traditional students you don't know how nice it is here in the summer and for me the beauty of the campus shows that for generations, people have cared about this school and this place. I mean, really cared about it. And uh, I, I, I'm a historian, I like old things. And you can be in an old building and just feel the love that's been there. You know, it's like it still vibrates in the walls. And I feel that in so many places at Moravian. My, uh, my wife and I were married in Boric Chapel. Okay. Uh, so it's got that special connection. The other thing I've really valued um, with the Moravian community um, are the, the people who have been here through the years. And 
I'm, I'm at the age now where my professors are, are now passing away. So my beloved Dean Matt's passed away uh, last week from um, 93 years old. But there's just all these people through the years who have given of themselves so much, you know, such brilliant professors, administrators, you know, some of them, we've got names on buildings, and I know modern students, you know, don't know who uh, Ray Halpert was, uh, but he was a brilliant man who loved this place, and I just feel that when I'm on campus, and it's so exciting, and again, this is going to be different this year, it's so exciting when uh, a bunch of people are moving into the community for the first time, and it's sometimes a bit of an adjustment. Relationships at Moravian are different than you had in high school or anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that we really value kindness and authenticity and honesty. And we, we don't tear people down at Moravian. That's not how you build yourself up. The kindness, and I see it in the administration, I see it in the faculty, I see it in the students, I see it in the two of you. Mm -hmm. And that makes it special. Yeah, yeah. I think those those are some of my favorite things. I know it's fun listening to everyone we have on here kind of answer those questions. I'm like, oh, that's my favorite thing. No, I think that's my favorite thing. So, no, but that's so true. And and it, you know, I think this year was particularly hard. You know, I always love being on campus in the spring when everything suddenly starts to pop and you just feel this energy and the students are excited and everybody's outside and you know, having to miss that this year was definitely hard. And I think it's something that we're all going to be looking forward to in the future to kind of be back on campus and be back a part of that community. I've got it lucky. My house is only two blocks away, so I can wonder here. You can take a stroll through. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, we hope everybody that was watching today really enjoyed kind of getting this little snippet of Moravian history. Uh, like we mentioned, there's the Moravian Archives, which is right across the street from the college. So if you're interested in learning more, you can always uh, reach out to them. There's some stuff that's on digital. I know once we're back in buildings, I'm sure you'll be able to go in there and kind of check some of that out as well. And you can always reach out to Justin and I. We can make connections with Craig or anybody else on campus if you're interested in learning more. So thanks for joining us for another episode of Houndcast, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye, everyone.